with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday, April the 21st, 2022. Is our southern border about to be overrun again? (laughs) We're going to have a conversation today. There's been a lot of pushback. I mean, bilateral, you know, everybody seems to not really want to push back a Title 42, uh, except for those, obviously, in the administration. Uh, But they're getting some pressure on both sides of the aisle there. And we're going to talk about this with Todd Bensman who is uh, from the the Center for Immigration Studies. We're going to be talking to him at 15 past the hour about the situation on the border. They just uh, apprehended some some military-aged gentlemen from Syria on the border there uh, just, uh, I think, the other day. So there's a lot of concerning stories coming out of our southern border. That's, again, coming up at 15 past the hour. But uh, at 35 past the hour, we have a liturgical uh, scholar on the show, Dom Alcuin reed who has a, uh, a book called The Organic Development of the Liturgy with Ignatius Press. He's going to be on to talk about the organic development of the liturgy. One of the questions I've always wondered is how far back do we go to find uh, the traditional Latin Mass, for instance, or just Mass in this sort of consistent form that we understand it today? How far back does that go? And why did they change at all? Those questions and more coming up at 35 past the hour with Dom and reed Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. Yeah. Hey, uh, good news, bad news. All right. Uh, give me the bad news first. Uh, get woke, go broke. Okay. Um, so the good news is um, Netflix is way down. <laughs> 40% <laughs> losing 200,000 subscribers. Yes. Praise be to God. Hmm, well, that's good. Yeah, that is good. They I, get what they deserve. I dumped Netflix, was well, it yeah, a year I and a half, too. two years ago or something? Yeah, when, when the, they started at doing the the abortion stuff. Oh no, it was promoting so, that. You had the little, oh, and then there was cuties too. The cuties was a problem, but then there was the uh, the the film on Jesus that they Ooh. they had a, like a homosexual oh, Jesus. Yes, did you hear that? That studio, I believe it was in Brazil. They mm. got firebombed. Oh man. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah, happens when you blaspheme. Happens. That's what happens when you <laughs> blaspheme. Yeah, we fire. I'm like, I'm done. Can't do this anymore. You're fired. Say goodbye. <laughs> so uh, get well, go broke. Florida Senate passes bill to eliminate Disney's special tax district. They've also taken a huge hit too. Yeah, it's almost like they want to kick them out of Florida. <laughs> well, I'm saying the company their their stocks are down. Oh yes, attendance at parks are down. Do. I mean, get yeah. woke, go broke. Uh, uh, but anyway, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to Adrian. I mean, howdy, praise be to God. It's good to be here. Are you woke and or broke? Um, I wouldn't say that I'm woke, and I also <laughs> wouldn't say that I'm broke. <laughs> well, praise be to God. Yeah, that's a good test right there. Yeah, I'm neither woke nor broke. Uh, there is a bit of sad news this morning. Vicky Thorne founded Project Rachel passed away. So please keep Vicky's mm. soul in your prayers. We'd be very grateful to you. But. Uh, going to be a good show today. Have you ever spoken to Alcuin Reed, either one of you? Nope. 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 So this is first for all of us. Dom Alcuin Reed. He's a Benedictine monk. He wrote an amazing mm-hmm. book called The Organic Development of the Liturgy, and he talks about like what is a, he traces. It's a historical look at the liturgy from the first century up to the council. Uh, it's excellent. It actually got its foreword from uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, who was, I believe, Pope Benedict at the time. Mm. So 
that's pretty amazing that he was able to get a forward from from the Pope. So and he used solid. he he used Joseph Ratzinger while he was being Pope. Like he used that name. Yeah, because Cardinal Ratz, uh, Pope Benedict would often everything he published, whenever it was non-magisterial, he would publish under his name. So, he, like for instance, his That's Jesus helpful. of Nazareth uh, series, his three book <laughs> series on Jesus of Nazareth, it's all published under Cardinal Ratzinger, Got even it. though he wrote it while he was pope, because okay. he didn't want to confuse people into thinking hey, this now, was magisterial. What, mm. wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> you want to confuse? You don't want to confuse people? Yep. <laughs> That's a novel what idea. A- <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 come on. Wow. I know it's it's an, it's it's a rare occurrence, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. All, right, all that's coming up this hour. It's going to be a jam-packed hour. Stay tuned. Uh, if you can, share us with a friend. We'd be grateful. But we're going to dive in. We're going to pray. And we're going to get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, April. Oh, actually, no, it's Thursday. It's Thursday, April 21st, and these are your headlines. Reuters reports Florida Senate passes bill that would end Disney's self-governing status. The Florida Senate passed a bill that would eliminate Walt Disney World's self-governing status in response to the company's opposition to a state law limiting discussion of sexual orientation with minors in schools. The law seeks to eliminate special tax districts, the structure that makes Disney, the who is one of the state's largest private employers and other law, landowners responsible for providing services such as firefighting, power, water, and roads. They in turn get relief from taxes and fees. The bill still has to clear the House before it heads to Governor Ron DeSantis' desk. Just the News reports federal prosecutor in alleged Whitmer kidnap case leaves legal team after acquittals and mistrials. A lead prosecutor in the case alleging four Michigan men plotted to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer is leaving the legal team, days after two of the defendants were acquitted and a mistrial was declared for two others. On April 8th, a jury in Michigan announced that they had found Daniel Harris and Brandon Caserta not guilty, and they could not reach a verdict for Adam Fox or Barry Croft Jr., resulting in a mistrial. Forbes reports, Ohio doctor accused of giving deadly fentanyl prescriptions to critically ill patients found not guilty. A jury in Ohio found William Husel, a former doctor that prosecutors accused of murdering 14 critically ill patients by prescribing lethal doses of fentanyl to hasten their death, not guilty on all counts. Husel, who pleaded not guilty, was first indicted in Franklin County in June 2019 on charges that he intentionally killed 25 intensive care patients at Mount Carmel West Hospital from 2015 to 2018 by overprescribing them fentanyl, with 11 of the counts dropped before the trial. Breitbart reports judge approves extradition of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, sends final decision to UK government. The U.S. has asked British authorities to extradite Assange so he can stand trial on 17 charges of espionage and one charge of computer misuse. Assange is accused of unlawfully helping U.S. military intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning steal classified diplomatic cables and military files that WikiLeaks later published, putting lives at risk. Supporters and lawyers for Assange argue that he was acting as a journalist and is entitled to First Amendment protections of freedom of speech, 
for publishing documents that exposed U.S. military wrongdoing in Iraq and Afghanistan. They argue that his case is politically motivated. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is pretty cool. You'll see why. It's kind of an amazing character. Saint Agnes of Montepulciano was born on the 28th of January, 1268, to the noble Signy family in Montepulciano, then part of the Papal States. At the age of nine, she convinced her parents to allow her to enter a Franciscan monastery of women in the city known as the Sisters of the Sack. After the rough religious habit they wore, they lived a simple contemplative life. She received permission from the Pope to be accepted into this life at such a young age, which was normally against church law. In 1281, the lord of the castle Procino invited the nuns of Montepulciano to send some of their sisters there to found a new monastery. Agnes was among the nuns to be sent to found this new community. At the age of 14, she was appointed the bursar. In 1288, Agnes, despite her youth at only 20 years of age, was noted for her devotion to the Blessed Sacrament and deep life of prayer, and she was elected as the prioress of the community. There, she gained a reputation for performing miracles. People suffering from mental and physical ailments seemed cured by her presence, and she was reported to have even multiplied the loaves. She herself, however, suffered severe bouts of illness, which lasted long periods of time. In 1306, Agnes was recalled to head the monastery in Montepulciano. Agnes reached a high degree of contemplative prayer, and it is said that she had been favored with many visions. And after her return, she proceeded to build the church, Santa Maria Novella in Florence, to honor the Blessed Mother, as she felt she had been commanded to do so in mystical visions several years earlier. She also had a vision of St. Dominic de Guzman, after which the inspiration led her, led the nuns to her monastery to embrace the rule of St. Augustine as members of the Dominican order. The Franciscans became Dominicans. Huh. She was frequently called upon to bring peace to the warring families in the city. In 1316, Agnes's health had declined so greatly, she died on the 20th of April at the age of 49. It was found, however, to be her body to be producing a sweet odor on its own, and her limbs remained supple. When her body was moved years later, they found her body to be incorrupt. St. Agnes of Montepulciano, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 24, verses 35 through 48. The disciples of Jesus recounted what had taken place along the way and how they had come to recognize him in the breaking of the bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, 
that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the generations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose, in the Ignatius Commentary today, commented, Mystically speaking, Jesus' risen body prefigures the resurrected bodies of the saints. By convincing us of his own resurrection, he likewise assures us of the physical nature of our own resurrection on the last day. Jesus' risen body is truly physical, but no longer earthly, since his humanity is now incorruptible and endowed with spiritual qualities. He forever reigns in a human body, but one that can pass through locked doors, vanish at will, and is no longer subject to the limitations of time, space, and the laws of nature. Praise be to God. That was uh, St. Ambrose from Ignatius Catholic Commentary today, and I hope also is impervious to the awkward and downsides of the peanut m M&M. I'm praying for that in the resurrection. Let's all pray together for that one. I want to go back to the breaking of the bread. It gets passed over quite a bit uh, very quickly here in today's gospel. It's verse 35. It happens, and they move on. Even in the commentaries, not a lot of commentary today, but Ignatius points out the breaking of the bread among Jews. This was a ceremonial gesture that that commenced the celebration of an ordinary meal. However, with the Christians in the first century, it was used as a description of the Eucharistic liturgy, of the Mass. And when you begin to see this at the resurrection in the Gospel, and then you go into uh, the book of Acts, for instance, you see that this, they are going to Holy Mass right away in the earliest days, Sunday being the the day, praise be to God, but they actually have a daily Mass there referenced in the, the book of Acts. It's uh, pretty, pretty fascinating stuff. And of course, we saw there in the road to Emmaus that same formula. They, uh, Jesus took bread, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. So we're seeing the Holy Mass, this very earliest version of the Holy Mass there in sacred scripture. So much more could be said, but we're going to leave that there because we're going to have a conversation with Dom Alcuin Reed at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that on the organic development of liturgy. But we're going to talk about the border crisis coming up right after this very short break. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. 
Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at uh, 35 past the hour, we're going to have a conversation with a liturgical expert. Um, have you ever spoken to a liturgical expert? I wonder. I, you know, very rarely, I would say, have I ever spoken to anybody uh, that is, uh, has the title of a liturgical expert. But today we're going to be doing that with Dom Alcuin Reed. He has a, a book he published in 2005 called The Organic Development of the Liturgy. We're going to be discussing uh, several things, but about the history of the liturgy and its organic development. And, and I'm particularly curious about how far back we go till we get to what we know today as the traditional Latin Mass and some of the histories there. So that's all coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you. And hopefully, Adrian, you're going to get our guest on today. Uh, Maybe you and Rudy can work on trying to get him on the line with us. Uh, But uh, we wanted to talk to Tom Benzman. He has a book called The America's Covert Border War, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration. And, uh, you know, he's been looking at the border now for many years. He's also a senior fellow with the National Security uh, for Center for Immigration Studies. And uh, he, I've seen some interviews of him recently talking about some of the real concerns here. But here's an article out of Breitbart News. The headline goes, four military-aged Syrian males arrested in West Texas near border. Um, border Patrol, the article goes on to say, Border Patrol agents working the border near Eagle Pass, Texas, on Wednesday arrested four military-aged Syrian migrants, a source within CBP told Breitbart, Texas, under the condition of anonymity. The four men attempted to sneak into the U.S. after illegally crossing the border from Cojula, Cojula Mexico. Coahilo, I think is what the way you say that properly. Human smugglers frequently move uh, what Border Patrol calls special interest aliens, uh, migrants from nations with ties to terrorism across the border away from large migrant group crossings, officials previously told Breitbart News. The large migrant groups serve as a distraction to agents who must use all available resources to process and document their apprehensions. This enables smugglers to move higher value migrants or drugs across the unpatrolled border areas while agents are occupied. The source told Breitbart the four Syrian men were not only of military age, but are suspected to have military backgrounds. 
Since the ensuing border crisis at the beginning of the Biden administration, more than 40 migrants who are listed on the terrorist watch list have been arrested as they uh, attempted to enter the United States, according to a Fox News report. This number includes Border Patrol arrests and encounters at border crossings and other locations with CBP officers. These numbers do not include migrants who illegally cross the border without being apprehended. What Border Patrol refers to as gotaways. In March alone, more than 62,000 migrants escaped apprehension, according to the report. During the month of March, Border Patrol agents apprehended nearly 210,000 migrants. That's just in March. 210,000 Migrants, according to the latest Southwest Land Border Encounters Report from CBP, Breitbart reported, this includes nearly 129,000 who entered through the five Texas-based Border Patrol sectors. Let that sink in. Just in the month of March, uh, praise be to God, we see 210,000 migrants being arrested just in the month of March. That seems overwhelming. And now there's conversation about uh, scaling back Title 42. I mean, if Title 42, and this is interesting because there's bipartisan uh, pushback against Title 42 being rescinded. Now, what is Title 42, in case you're not following along? It's basically a Trump-era policy that says, hey, due to the pandemic, due to COVID you know, uh, security threats, due to virus being spread, we're going to have to say... You're going to have to stay in Mexico. You can apply for asylum because stay in Mexico. We're not going to let you in. You know, we're, we're going to we're going to hold off. Well, that's being rescinded. And now there are groups massing down, coming up through Mexico, massing and ready to come across that border. And essentially the way it's gone is once they're in the country, they're in the country. No ice has been put on hold. This is one of the issues that I've wanted to talk to Todd, Todd Bensman about. And we're trying to get him on the line now. Todd Bensman from the uh, the Center for Immigration Studies. ICE was put on hold. Essentially, they 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 messed with the mission of ICE, basically making it impossible for them to deport anybody. So once there somebody enters our country, there's no one to chase them down and then deport them. So it's basically a free for all at that point. And now we have no solvency at our border. We're overwhelming the agents who are tasked with the job of trying to maintain our national security down there. They're being overwhelmed. They're they're not getting the kind of support they need. I mean, we all remember the the images of horseback uh, agents, you know, trying to push people back. And then they got accused of whipping people, which they were not doing. They were simply holding the reins of the of the horses. And I think that was a story that came out this week that, in fact, they were they were cleared of all negligence. They were cleared of all charges just this past week. But that was kind of one of those under the radar stories that nobody talked about. So ICE has been put on ICE. They're not deporting anybody. Then there was the issue of, well, Mexico is supposed to be cooperating with the Biden administration to help keep back a lot of the immigrants from coming all the way up to our border. So um, it's a very interesting story because this would make it look like there's less people trying to cross our border. 
So is that the case? Well, one of the things Todd Benzman was saying in some of his interviews was when he goes down there, he actually checks on this particular uh, point of interest. So what happens is when they come to the Mexican-Guatemalan border, Mexico requires them to apply for some sort of humanitarian visa on their way up to the American border. And that delays them somewhat. That takes some time to be able to get this humanitarian visa of sorts. And then what happens is they start to gather. Now, if you have money and you, you could pay your way out of this, well, that that's fine. You, they uh, People with money are able to bribe the appropriate folks to get past that block. Everybody else stays there and has to wait until they're like 40 to 50,000 strong. Then they begin to riot and push back. And then what happens, according to Todd Benzman's uh, interviews that I was watching, he they, they spread them out on multiple roads, multiple paths up to the border. So they're not all hitting the same point. They're trying to avoid what seems to be a a caravan of migrants. They don't want that on the news. They don't really want uh, big caravan stories to hit the American press. So they spread them out and they let them through to come to our border. And now with Title 42 being uh, being rescinded or seem, seemingly being rescinded, it looks like there's going to be a large wave of folks coming across the border. And this has been a very, very concerning story. So we're seeing uh, the, our border crisis really, uh, really become a, a grave concern. And it was already of great concern the last couple of years. And now it's even seemingly getting worse. And of course, now we're, as I just reported from this Breitbart article, we're seeing also an uptick in immigrants coming from terrorist watch lists coming across our border. And that's only the ones we know about, as the article stated. What about the ones we don't know about? And we we saw this, we talked, I can't remember who we talked to, I think it was Epic Times, Joshua Phillips. Joshua Phillips. Yeah, yeah. talking about how the, the, the mode here is the cartels, they get a win-win-win out of this deal. Exactly. It's a multifaceted issue. Another, another you know, perspective of this border crisis is that there are massive amounts of fentanyl being trafficked across the border and the U.S. reported last year that they had like the largest amount of overdose deaths from yeah. like, an opioid crisis. And uh, so obviously they're taking advantage of open borders and sending as much as they can. In fact, I don't report it as often, but it's almost every other day there's a story. Well, we found this amount of fentanyl coming in through the border. It's coming in. Um, they're taking advantage of it. There's also military, paramilitary uh Factions of the cartels that are roaming the border in camouflage and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, military equipment and shooting at helicopters and all kinds of crazy stuff that's happening. So yeah. they are definitely taking advantage of the situation. And you know, really, you you don't see much uh, you know in ways of government trying to step in and try and taper this off a little bit. Um, you've seen here in, in Texas, uh, Governor Abbott, he started shipping some of them via bus to, to Washington, D.C., across the Capitol. Uh, that's pretty much as, as much as I've seen. Which is interesting. I think there's been three buses Mm -hmm. Or something like that. Three buses sent. Is this a PR stunt? I mean, <laughs> I'm, Saki seems to think so. Well, the the poor, uh, you know, border cities or the the little counties along the border, you know, they're overwhelmed with so many and people being dropped over there. they're not Republicans, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're not staunch, you know, hardcore conservative Republicans down there. They're they're liberals. Uh, they're Democrats, and they are crying for help. Yeah, it's it's really a tough situation. It's it's a double edged sword, right? I mean, I'm sure they want to help these people. People have legitimate concerns, but there's 
legal ways to do it. There's a, a proper way to do it. And again, the, the country that does not have any sort of border or doesn't have any sort of sovereignty. And uh, we're seeing that a lot of the, the immigrants who come into the country overwhelmingly vote Democrat. So it yeah. can certainly flip yeah. uh, different, different, uh, different states here. You know, I was just thinking about how irresponsible and how it lacks charity, even for I, I, I want to give the, the benefit of the doubt. There are so many people who come across that border. They are just desperate for a better life. Yeah. And I don't blame them for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would, too, in that sort of circumstance. But it, I think it lacks charity and is terribly irresponsible to just have this uh, wide open anything goes policy, because how exactly are you helping them? They're paying they're paying thousands of hard earned blood, sweat and tear dollars to cartels who will uh, misabuse uh, them at a moment's notice, leave them for dead in the back of a truck someplace. Oh, for sure. Or rape and pillage them along the way. And then they come to America and they can't speak our language. They they have they have to find ways to to make a living here. To you know, it's like there's so many things wrong with this approach to border security. It lacks uh, it lacks real charity in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of uh, one of the issues in Shanghai in China at the moment. The Chinese government there has designated certain buildings to become these quarantine facilities. So they come into an apartment building and they say, you need to leave right now because we're taking this building and turning it into a, a, a quarantine. They're kicking all the residents out of their building and letting letting then they're bringing in uh, strangers. They can't take their possessions with them. They have to just physically walk out of the building and say goodbye to everything they own and everything they know. And then they're trying to riot, and then they're being abused by the police in their white jumpsuits in the streets. And it's it's kind of like, there's a, there's something there. It's like, imagine if that happened in America. Imagine if someone just walked in and said, you know, you no longer have sovereignty over your own house, over your own apartment, your own your own personal dwelling space. It's no longer yours, and now belongs to the people, and we can do whatever we want. I mean, when you open the border, and just anything goes, it's the wild wild west. Well, essentially, that's the road we're on. Right. And if you think about the housing crisis, I mean, it's not just for people who own houses. It's also to find places to rent. That's, I mean, it's going to put a lot of burden on the American people. And frankly, uh, you know, we're, we've yet to see something happen to make it so that uh, the border is more secure. We'll yeah. see. Maybe in the future. Maybe. Maybe we'll try to get uh, Todd Bensman on at uh, some point to, uh, to conversate more in depth on this very particular topic. So... At any rate, lots more to pray for there. There is never a time that we do not have hope, but there is much to pray for at least. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. More breaking news and stories and the history of liturgy. That's all coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate in plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, 
the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Justin News reports, rural Nevada counties reconsidering Dominion for elections, return to paper ballots and hand counting. Esmeralda County commissioners voted to ask their county clerk to use paper ballots and count them by hand for all future elections, rather than use electronic voting equipment. The Epic Times reports Wuhan Lab allowed to destroy secret files under its partnership with U.S. National Lab, agreement shows. A memorandum of understanding and cooperation signed between the Wuhan Lab and the Galveston National Laboratory at the University of Texas Medical Branch makes it obligatory for each of the two labs to delete secret files or materials upon the request of the other party. The Wuhan Institute of Virology has been at the center of controversy due to the growing speculation that the virus that causes COVID-19, which has now killed millions around the globe, may have leaked from the facility. The lab has denied those allegations, but Beijing has blocked international investigators or data and records uh, from the facility, thus preventing any meaningful probe into the hypothesis. The Galveston National Laboratory is one of two federal, federally funded university-based highest-level biosecu- biosecurity labs in the United States. It began collaborating with the Wuhan Institute of Virology in 2013, a cooperation that entails training their scientists and conducting joint research programs. Breitbart reports Russia confirms Europe significantly increased gas purchases funding Ukraine war. The Russian news agency TASS reported that the European states had significantly increased gas purchases from Russia this year, despite global calls to boycott trade with the country in light of its ongoing war with Ukraine. Today, Europe consumes around 500 billion cubic meters of gas per year, and 40% of it comes from Russia, says the Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak. And LifeSite reports new social credit app to reward Italian citizens for virtuous behavior. A new app recently released in Italy presents striking similarities with the Chinese social credit system by rewarding some citizens for their behavior through a point system. Smart Citizen Wallet was presented at a press conference on digital innovation in Bologna, where Mayor Matteo Lapore and Massimo Bugani, director of the city's digital agenda, discussed the project. The so-called virtuous behaviors that people have will allow citizens to improve their score and win points that they can be able they're able to spend on various awards such as discounts and free cultural activities. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via phone is Dom Alcuin Reed. He is the founding prior of the monastery at uh, Saint Benoit, France. He's also a liturgical scholar and the author of the Organic Development of the Liturgy, published in 2005 by Ignatius Press. Good morning to you, Dom Alcuin Reed. Dom Alcuin Reed, are you there? Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Praise be to God. You know, just this morning in the Gospel today, there is a, a little 
slight, very quick verse 35 of uh, Luke 24, uh, reference to the breaking of the bread, and uh, and I was discussing that from the commentaries this morning about how you know we see the earliest development of the of the liturgy there in that one little phrase, and I thought it would be a fascinating conversation to talk about that and maybe start with that. Can you uh, could you help us better understand the, the the earliest version of the mass for those apostles and disciples in the upper room? Sure. I mean, if we're talking about the development of the liturgy, we need to realize that our Lord himself lived in a cultic tradition, a tradition of, of, of worship. And what he did at the Last Supper, what he did after his resurrection, was in that context. You know, he didn't make it up. He certainly he certainly added specific elements of, of the New Covenant, <laughs> of, of his own sacrifice on the cross, and so on. But he was doing something in a tradition, and that tradition was obviously significantly developed by him uh, at the Last Supper, by his death on the cross, by his resurrection, and then the earliest Christians, uh, in, in the phrase you're talking about from the Gospel, uh, you know, recognized him in the breaking of the bread. They recognized him in the celebration of, of the Blessed Eucharist. They came to see who he was. They came to understand uh, you know, his salvific, his unique salvific purpose in the world. Uh, and so we have here, you know, the, the, the tradition, uh, the Jewish tradition significantly, substantially uh, developed, definitively developed by our Lord, and then handed on. Uh, and, and as you say, in, in, in this gospel verse, we have, or in this gospel passage, we have, we have a, a record of it in, from the earliest, uh, the earliest times. I think it's interesting because as a Protestant, when I was Protestant, I would have read those verses and not thought twice about it. I would not have even—the the word liturgy would not have even entered my mind. And uh, so often as a Protestant, and many Protestants are in this camp, not all, but many, um, they, they, they seem to divorce our Lord from the concept of liturgies and rituals. They seem to think that he came to do something completely different, to do away with all of that. But as you just said, it seemed to indicate that is not at all the case, that it's not at all his, his uh, experience as a first-century Jew. No, and 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 we have to realize, of course, as 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 we all as we all do eventually, that that the sacred scriptures are products of uh, divinely inspired and privileged products of the tradition of the early church. They didn't come first. You know, the, the what our Lord did came first, and and under the inspiration of God, the Holy Ghost, you know, these things were recorded by the apostles for the church of all times. Uh, and therefore, when we read the scripture, we need to read it within the tradition, and the tradition is intrinsically cultic, it's intrinsically liturgical. Uh, liturgy isn't mm. something added on to Christianity. You know, the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross made present through the, through the continued celebration of the Eucharist, through the celebration, continued celebration of the Mass, is something, is something essentially liturgical. Uh, and the scriptures give witness to this. Uh, um, but we you know we need we need not mm. to take the fish out of the water. The sacred scripture <laughs> it lives and breathes Amen. in the tradition of the church, yeah. uh, and not the other way around. You know it doesn't create the church, and it doesn't create you know it doesn't create doctrine. Um, doctrine doesn't come first. You know our Lord didn't hand out a you know a, a sheet of, of bullet points for people to say right this is what we believe. Now go and create a Eucharist. We're going to create the Mass. Uh, it's, it's exactly the other way around. And sometimes we're too rational to, to realize that. 
But when we do realize it, it it's, a, it's a great almost relief because it, it puts things in the right context and we can begin to live and breathe those those very things, uh, you know, particularly the Mass and the sacraments and, 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 and prayer. You know, there's a lot of people who will listen to that and come to the conclusion and say, well, if that's the case, if our Lord set up uh, the liturgy in such a way that was like this, shouldn't we just go back to the way the Jews did uh, do Passover and try to recreate this proto-liturgy instead of trying to do uh, these man-made traditions. Uh, how would you parse sure, that well, out? We're, we've seen we've seen plenty of you know of, of elementary or primary school uh, teachers you know <laughs> do reconstructions of, of Jewish Passover meals and so on, which which with all due respect to the good intentions of such people is quite an insult to to people of the Jewish faith. You know, we, we shouldn't be imitating other people's rituals. Uh, um, the other thing is that, you know, our Lord lived in a context, but tradition is living, uh, and it grows and it develops. Uh, and the Church, under the inspiration of God the Holy Ghost, over, you know, two millennia, has enriched this most precious gift of the Eucharist with rites and prayers from from her development, her increased understanding of the preciousness of this gift, of the, you know, of the, of the vitalness of this gift, of the centrality of this gift, so that uh, so that whilst we do what our Lord did at the Last Supper, you know, we take, break, bless, and give, all of those things are there. Uh, we have found it appropriate to do much more as well to point to those central things. Uh, and you know, we give our we give our best to God in worship. I think one of the things we need to remember when we when we talk about liturgy or worship, the Mass, the Eucharist, whichever names we wish to use, is we need to remember that the worship is not about us. It's about giving our best to God. Uh, we're doing this for Him, not for us. And of course, in do. Dom Alcuin Reed is our guest, and uh, I think it's uh, his line may have cut out there. We may have to call him back. Dom Alcuin Reed, are you there? Now he is a Benedictine monk, as we said in his uh, his bio. There, he's the uh, founding prior of a monastery there, Saint Buenau. Buen Bueno, Bueno. I can't remember how to say that correctly. I'll get an email later today <laughs> about uh, every time I try to say anything French, I, I get uh, I get spoken to, and uh, deservedly so, I would argue. But uh, he is a liturgical expert, so we're going to get it back on the line. We have a break coming up anyway. You know, what's interesting is one of the things that uh, I find fascinating is as a guy who came into the church from Protestantism, and I I was on this wild ride, this wild journey, and for me, the Holy Eucharist was the hinge pin. I still struggle with the Pope and Our Lady and the communion of the saints, but it was the Holy Eucharist that was the most vital thing for me to understand before I could give my heart to the Church. And I'll never forget my mind being utterly blown when reading uh, St. Justin the Martyr's first Apologia, when he wrote this letter to the uh, Roman Curia because they were persecuting Christians, and he was trying to convince them to stop doing this. And one of those things was the mystery of the liturgy that they didn't understand because nobody could come to the liturgy if you weren't baptized. You couldn't come into the liturgy unless you were you were, had prepared yourself properly. They didn't just let anybody come to communion in the ancient church. And so these rumors spread about, uh, you know, slaughtering babies, for instance. And so he opened the doors to the pagans to let them understand and see. He explains the mass. He details the exact 
liturgy in about the year 150 AD in his first apology. So uh, it's it's mind-blowing. And if you haven't ever read that, Google that today. St. Justin the Martyr, the first apology. It's one of the, the last quarter of that document. It's fascinating. From the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that well, God this is a winner to give to the world? Think of the the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. On Easter Sunday, we recall and celebrate that day in history when our Savior, Jesus Christ, through his own power, lifted himself out of the grave and rose from the dead. Easter Sunday serves as a great reminder why Catholic Radio exists in the first place. It's because we have been entrusted with a message that the whole world desperately needs to hear. The Guadalupe Radio Network reaches hundreds of thousands of souls each day with that message of salvation that message of grace, and that message of hope. That's why each day we take great joy in joining together with you in the mission of proclaiming the good news to the world. Thank you so much for being part of the GRN family through your prayers and financial support. On behalf of all the GRN, we want to express to you our hope and prayers that you and your loved ones have a most blessed Easter season. This is Len Oswald, President of the GRN, with your GRN Family Minute. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Dom Alcuin Reed is our guest, Benedictine monk and a liturgical scholar. We're great to have you back on the air. Praise be to God, Dom Reed. Um, I was, but right before we went to the break, I was mentioning how my mind was utterly blown by Saint Justin the Martyr's description of the Holy Mass in about the year 150 A.D. in his letter, his first apology to uh, to the Roman Curia. I mean, the detail is just so amazing, and I really felt, uh, for the first time, truly connected uh, from a liturgical standpoint going back all those years. But, uh, you know, I go to a traditional form of the Mass, the TLM, the 62 for the FSSP, and I often—I'm I'm newer to this uh, in a traditional form of the Mass in the last a few years— and I've often heard the term Mass of the Ages being put out there. Um, can we talk about that? Can you give us a sense of, of the Mass of the Ages? How far back does it go? When, when do we start to see what we would think of today as the traditional form of the Mass? Okay. Um, well, in, in the Roman Rite, in, the, in, the Western, uh, in Western Christendom, you know, the, the central point part of the Mass, the Roman Canon, I mean, we have texts at least in the 6th century, probably in the 4th or 5th century, which are pretty much what we use today. Uh, you know, that makes it, as far as we know, we don't have any textual evidence uh, before the 4th century. It may well have, it may well have been prayed thus uh, you know, earlier still. Uh, that's a limitation of scholarship. We don't, we don't have the evidence going all the way back. But uh, you know, when we when we pray the Roman Canon, we are praying with Christians of you know more than sixteen hundred years, most probably in the West. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, what Justin Martyr describes in the Apology is what is what we do today. But as I was saying before, you know, we, we've augmented that 
uh, with the best we can, because it's about God, not about us. Um, one of the things I think that explains some of the difficulties we've had in recent decades is that is that in trying to bring people to participate in this wondrous reality, which is the sacred liturgy and the central, central act of the sacred mass, the holy mass, is we've tried to make it a little more accessible. Uh, you know, the, the, the people in the 1960s responsible for the reform and so on were most probably well-intentioned, I think, uh, with maybe one or two exceptions with some agendas, but, but you know, if we assume good intentions, they seem to have missed the point that people need psychologically uh, to do the best they can for God, and that in doing that, uh, that takes them closer to God. That and that that is real participation. You know, that touching God or being touched by God in the liturgy uh, is real participation. Not necessarily, you know, saying certain prayers aloud in the vernacular or or singing popular hymns or something like that. You know, the encounter with the divine is a participation and the ultimate participation of course in the mass is the, is the worthy reception of the blessed eucharist but but you know there are many other ways as well and this explains i think what benedict described as the attraction of the more traditional liturgical forms for younger people in in the use of in the in the older form of the mass uh, young traditional communities are uh, traditional communities are young but certainly they have older people with them too which is marvelous but uh, as you would know from where you go to mass, the, you know, the, the congregation is is is, is not <laughs> is not the average age is, is not very high. Uh, and why do young people in this postmodern world, with all the all that the world, the flesh, and the devil has to offer, why do young people go to this? Because they encounter God there, but also uh, they do so in a way which, ironically, not ironically, happily. That follows really what the Second Vatican Council wants people to do with the liturgy. They participate consciously and actively. They mm. follow the prayers and rites of the Missal. They sing. They pray. You know, they, they're, they're engaged in the liturgical seasons and the feasts. So there's a real formation in the Catholic faith, which often is not found in, 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 in parochial schools or or in, or in, in some parish liturgical celebrations. Um, young people going to the to the to the antiquity or the traditional rites aren't bored in church. Uh, they're praying. They're encountering God. You know, they're lining up in the confessional pew before mass. Uh, they're living their faith, and they're being fired into apostles. Now, this can certainly happen. In, in you know, there are many good priests in in, in parishes celebrating the more modern rites who are, who are doing the best they can, and they're doing wonderful work with with, uh, with you know with what they have. Uh, let's, let's not uh, let's not doubt either the validity of the new rites or the, the goodwill and hard pastoral work of many many priests and faithful uh, and, and and other ministers and, and, and to be sure parents of families and so on uh, you know where where the traditional rites aren't available but I think we do have to face the fact that the traditional rites are are part of the solution and perhaps a very big part of the solution uh, to to the malaise in which we find ourselves in these days. Yes, that's a fascinating point. And actually, you know, as a young person, relatively young, that that was what inspired me to go into, you know, a traditional parish that provided the uh, the sacraments of 1962 and before 1955 as well. Uh, but to go back to a point you made uh, earlier, you know, there's always been an organic development, as you said, of the liturgy. But it seems as if the, you know, the Mass of Paul VI was an abrupt change. Has there ever been a change in the history of the liturgy that seems as abrupt as, as this one? 
Not really. I mean, some modern liturgical scholars like to say that Vatican II did what Trent did. That's basically an historical lie. <laughs> um, you know, the, the imposition of a radically new rite of mass uh, juridically in the space of you know about 12 months uh, has never happened in the history of, uh, of the Church as it wow. did in 1969, 1970, 1971. Um, modern communication facilitates this. You know, modern modern printing means facilitates this. A heightened sense of obedience to, in, in in Catholic life to every last dictate of the Pope. I'm not talking about matters of faith and morals, obviously, though. Mm. The definitions made by the Holy Father in those matters, uh, you know, the obedience of faith, but. But, you know, we don't have to agree with Pope Paul VI's judgment that the vernacular in the liturgy was necessary. We don't have to agree with that to be Catholics. We can disagree with that. And you know, it's not a doctrine of the faith. It's a policy. But unfortunately, you know, too many policies were presented and good faithful Catholics obeyed uh, because that's their instinct. And it's a virtue. But, you know, we've learned in the decades since that, that, that critical obedience is necessary in times when when authority uh, commands things which are perhaps not as not as they should be. Um, so, yeah, uh, no, I mean, we've never seen this before, as, as Cardinal Ratzinger said a number mm. of times uh, in, in his various writings. And, of course, that explains why, as Pope Benedict, he, he freed, uh, or he didn't really free, he, he pointed out that the traditional liturgy is free from, from any restriction. Um, and and said, you know, the people are free to use it, and what was great and good for past centuries cannot be all of a sudden uh, redeclared harmful or entirely forbidden. Uh, Dom Reed, I, I was thinking about this as you were speaking, and I've heard that claim many times. Uh, I first started attending the traditional mass a couple of years ago. I'm currently 24, and I started attending when I was in college. And one thing that I kept hearing was, you know, the liturgy was created at Trent. It's oh, that's why they call it the Tridentine Mass because it's only 500 years old. And your book, I purchased it while I was in college and started reading it and understanding what exactly is organic development versus an accretion. Uh, I'm thinking of Pius X talking about uh, false antiquarianism. So, what do we mean by false? What is antiquarianism, and why is that? And what is a false antiquarianism? Well, well, antiquarianism is, is is saying because it's old, we must imitate it. Uh, now, you mentioned Justin Martyr. You know, uh, uh, okay, Justin Martyr was describing a point in the development of the liturgy, uh, and the description is powerful, and it shows that there is a developed ritual and a sense of ritual in you know in the second century. That's amazing, uh, but we're not in the second century. God the Holy Ghost has given us many gifts, you know, some of the beautiful hymns, the, the liturgical hymns and poetry and prayers of Thomas Aquinas, for example. Do we, because we found the text of Justin Martyr, throw everything away and rush back to that? No, we move forward with all that is good, and all that God has given us with all that is good, uh, because they're, they're gifts of, of the tradition, they're gifts of God the Holy Ghost to his church, for the glory of God, for the edification of people, for the salvation of souls. Uh, you know, there's no need to throw it all up. Now, in the history of the liturgy, the Roman canon prayed for the Roman emperor. We don't do that anymore because it isn't a Roman emperor. You know, some things do fall away. Uh, in the oldest, the pre-Pius XII form of the 
the exultate at the Paschal Vigil. You know, there's the prayer for the Roman Emperor with the, the amusing rubric saying, if there is no Roman Emperor, you leave this out. <laughs> um, you know, some things do fall away, uh, very much like fall off a tree. Mm. Uh, but new growth comes. Uh, but this is, the, this is the concept of organic. But you know, if anyone who has a garden knows, yes, you prune, and yes, new growth comes, and sometimes you know, things fall off. There are accidents of history and so on. Maybe they're unfortunate ones, but the organism itself is there. You don't, you don't, uh, when you prune a tree, you don't take an axe to its base Amen to and that. then start sticking it back together again. You know, you hammer and nails, and so you have a dead tree if that's the case. Now, well, I, I don't want to be, be be heard as saying that the, the new liturgy is a dead tree. You know, by by the power of the keys and so on, uh, it's a valid right and confers grace, but. It certainly is not a terribly healthy tree in some places, mm. and, and historically speaking, I think we can say you know it, it, it's a, it's a created right with various bits and pieces from here and there. Uh, it's a valid right. The Holy Father approved it at the time, and as I said before, you know many people worship according to many people don't have any other choice than to worship according to it, and pray sincerely and receive the sacraments validly. Let me uh... faithful priests do their best with it. Let me sneak a question in, because we're about to run out of time, about 45 or 30 seconds here. Uh, Deacon Alclair asked whether or not in the catacombs in the early centuries, was it uh, versus populum or was it ad orientum? I don't think there was a concept of versus populum at the time, especially especially in in the limited spaces. I think if we go to the catacombs, we see that people are offering, offering the Eucharist, you know, on the ledges in front mm. of the martyrs' tombs. So, ad orientum, praise be to God. Well, we are out of time, Dom Alcuin Reed. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. God bless. Thank you. Have a great day. Praise be to God. And that is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you all for joining us. We're very grateful to have you on our show every morning. If you can and are able to, join us for the next hour. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we want you to be a part of that. You can go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt to hang out with us live or on one of our social feeds. Until tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. 
Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. To your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. It is Thursday, April the 21st, 2022, and you know what that means. Oh, yeah. Today's the day. Today is the day. We are going to uh, send an email out to the CDT Insiders. Praise be to God. And um, every Thursday, okay, I, I know what you're thinking. Joe, you didn't send one last week. I Yeah, I got it. <laughs> it, was, it was holy Thursday. It was Monday, Thursday. So, Do you think you're going to open up mm-hmm. the uh, private chat again this week? Yes, I am opening up the private chat this week. Nice. So the I way, figured out why they call it Monday, Thursday. Well, okay, well, hold, we got to hold that thought. Uh, the reason why uh, I'm going to open up Thursday, uh, the private chat, is because we have an incredible group of people who hang out with us on our Telegram chat, and uh, we are so grateful to have the continued conversation around just about everything and anything goes on our, on our group. And they're just amazing. Praise be to God. So I see Mike there this morning. Luz is there. Good morning, Clarissa. Good morning, Forrest. Damon is there. Praise be to God. Good morning. We, it, it's just wonderful. So if you want to be a part of our in CDT Insider private group chat, well, the way you need to do it is to be on our email list. And the way to get on the email list is to go to either our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and or... Whip out your cell phone right now. If you're driving, don't whip anything. Just keep your hands on the wheel. <laughs> don't whip okay. the car. <laughs> yeah, just drive safe. What are you doing? Stop this. You go to the website later and join. Otherwise, if you're in a safe place and you can do this, whip out the old cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. You got it? So text the letters GRN to the number 42828. 42828, and you will be able to join our CDT Insider email list right away. And just to thank you, just to say, you're awesome, you're amazing, thanks for being a CDT Insider. I'm going to send you 
right away in your inbox a talk by Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy, a 30-minute powerful talk on the state of the union of the church today. Super powerful. You're going to love it. It's going to hit your inbox right away just to say thank you, just to thank you for that. But also, I will harass your inbox every week with brand new content that we don't share here. You're gonna, we're going to send that to you, praise be to God, every Thursday. So that's coming out this afternoon. Good morning, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And, you know, it, don't just whip, don't just pull out your phone from your pocket. you got to whip it whip out. It. Whip, whoosh, it. whip it good. Whip it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that song's appropriate. No, it's not. It's probably not. If it, it was, not. it's from the 80s. Devo, probably right? Devo? Devo, yeah. Devo, yeah. I mean, so I grew good. up on that stuff. Yeah. Dude. I was there when MTV launched with the, the astronaut thing. The synthetic synths, man. They're so good. I, I remember that summer. It was yeah. crazy. You remember that summer? I do, yeah. <laughs> I of do. Course. I wasn't born. Uh, Adrian was there. Good morning, Adrian. I was not there. Come on. Mm-hmm. I was busy. You were. You were. I was busy not being, not existing. What was that, like 80? <laughs> Drinking coffee. Was it 83? Drinking coffee that day. 83, 82, something like that? Yeah, it definitely wasn't born. But maybe. I have good news. You do. I figured out why it's called Monday Thursday. Okay. It comes from mandatum because the mandatum mm. mm-hmm. was given mm-hmm. on that day. So the mandatum being, yeah, the mandate, the okay. mandate from Christ saying to wash each other, wash uh, the feet of the servants. Love it. And that's why you have the washing the feet, yeah. a feet on Holy Thursday, mm-hmm. which is why it's called Monday Thursday. Amen. Praise mm. be to God. There you go. You learn something new all the time. There you go. I learned something new. Yeah, amen to that. All right, so coming up this hour, we have a good news story. Praise be to Jesus. And I hear it's a good one. I think you're going to like it. Going to like it? Puppies are involved? <laughs> yeah. Crying? Tears? <laughs> Puppy dog tears? Uh, Kitties? And, well, there's puppies in there. There's puppies? There's a puppy in there. Really? That's a, that's a little spoiler. Yeah! Here's a puppy. Praise be to God. If you want, uh, you know, we, we cover the news quite a bit in the first hour. Uh, we're always uh, grateful to bring you the latest information and news. So uh, this is our third newscast. So we always try to incorporate something uplifting and inspirational. That's coming up. We have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then in addition to that, we have in the our Fear and Trembling Game Show with new prizes at staking. And we're super excited to give out prizes this week. So stick around for that. And then, of course, the second half of this hour is our after show where we conversate with you about whatever you want to talk about. You get to drive that conversation on one of our live video social feeds, all of which are linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray and let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's your good news story for the day. This is from the Guinness Book of World Records. World's oldest dog confirmed as 21-year-old Chihuahua Toby Keith. Toby Keith is his name. A new record for the world's oldest living dog has been confirmed in Green Acres, Florida. Chihuahua Toby Keith had his record verified at the grand old age of 21 years, 66 days, and March, uh, March 16th, 2022. Toby Keith's owner, Gisela Shore, has been with him from the vast majority of his life after adopting him from an animal shelter when she was just a few months old. 
It was, uh, I was a volunteer at Peggy Adams Animal Rescue, and one of the employees told me about an elderly couple trying to surrender a puppy because they could not take care of them any longer, said Gisela. I met with the elderly couple, and I was introduced to a tiny tan chihuahua. They had named him Peanut Butter. I later changed his name to Toby Keith. And that's where Toby Keith and Gisela's story began, one that has gone to span over two decades. She started to consider that Toby Keith could be the oldest living dog when he turned 20 years old. Once his record had been confirmed, Gisela's family and friends were thrilled. I'm definitely uh, happy that this happened. As you can imagine, the, the duo have a very close relationship. Toby Keith shares Gisela's affection with two other dogs, Luna, a seven-year-old American bulldog, and Lala, a three-year-old Chinese crested. An average day for this old gentleman <laughs> sees him wake up at 6.30 a.m. for his first trip outside before getting his first snack of the day. His favorite treat is a slice of turkey. The rest of his day consists of more short walks and when Gisela is working from home, laying next to her workstation. In fact, now 21 years and 3 months and 5 days old at the time of the writing, Toby Keith has far exceeded the usual life expectancy of an average chihuahua which can range anywhere from 12 to 18 years. She believes Toby Keith's continued health is helped by regular exercise and a healthy diet consisting of vegetables, rice, and chicken with no sugary treats. Uh, they treat this dog better than most people. The oldest dog ever recorded was an Australian cattle dog named Bluey, owned by Les Hall of Rochester, Victoria, Australia. Bluey was obtained as a puppy in 1910 and worked among cattle and sheep for nearly 20 years before being put down uh, in November of 1939. He was 29 years old in five months. <laughs> That's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Agnes of Montepulciano. She was born on the 28th of January, 1268, into the noble Signy family in Montepulciano, then part of the Papal States. At the age of nine, she convinced her parents to allow her to enter the Franciscan Monastery of Women, known as the Sisters of the Sack, after the rough religious habit they wore. They lived a simple but contemplative life. She received the permission from the Pope to be accepted into this life as such a young age, which was normally against church law. And 1281, the lord of the castle Procino invited the nuns of Montepulciano to send some of their sisters there to found a new monastery. Agnes was among the nuns sent to found this new community. And at the age of 14, she was appointed bursar. In 1288, Agnes, despite her youth being only 20 years of age, was noted for her devotion to the Blessed Sacrament and deep life of prayer. She was elected a prioress of the community, and she gained a reputation for performing miracles. People suffering from both mental and physical ailments seemed to be cured by her presence. She was reported to have multiplied loaves, and she herself, though, suffered many bouts of illness, which lasted long periods of time. In 1306, Agnes was recalled to head the monastery in Montepulciano, and Agnes reached a high degree of contemplative prayer and is said to have been favored with many visions. After her return, she proceeded to build the church Santa Maria Novella in Florence to honor the Blessed Mother, as she felt she had been commanded to in a mystical vision several years earlier. She also had a vision of St. Dominic de Guzman under the inspiration of of which she led the nuns of her monastery to embrace the rule of St. Augustine as members of the Dominican order. They left the, Domin the Franciscans to become Dominicans. Very interesting. She was frequently called upon to bring peace to warring families of the city. And by 1316, Agnes has, Agnes's health had declined so greatly 
and she died on the 20th of April at the age of 49. Her body was found to have a sweet odor on its own, and her limbs remained supple. When her body was moved years later, they found her body to be incorrupt. St. Agnes of Montepulciano, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 24, verses 35 through 48. The disciples of Jesus recounted what had taken place along the way and how they had come to recognize him in the breaking of the bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Saint Bede said, Christ lay two nights in the tomb to rescue man from the twofold death of sin. For souls die spiritually on account of sin, and bodies die physically as a penalty for sin. Victorious on the third day, Christ now rises our soul to new life in grace and will later rise our bodies in glory. Praise be to God. Close quote, St. Bede. I love today uh, the commentary out of Ignatius Catholic Commentary pointing out how our Lord was to suffer and to die. You can see this in so many passages. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Psalm 31, 69, 118, Isaiah 50. There's just so much there. The three days alone, there's several, several uh, instances of this in the Old Testament with Isaac, with Jonah, with even Moses himself. It is pretty fascinating and well worth the time to dive deep into sacred scripture to realize exactly what our Lord was saying to these apostles in the upper room when he appears to them in the resurrection. Adrian, what did you find? Uh, Yes, real quickly. The one thing to note is the why our Lord shows him his body. Uh, The Cornish Lopede says, is it actually sufficient to show, to eat, and to touch them as proof of the resurrection? He said the answer, not absolutely, because the angels, which appear in bodily form but don't actually have a body, could be touched by Abraham, Lot, and others. But on this account, he has a glorified body, which has the property of permeability, which means it has no resistance to another body, so it can walk through things, but also has the power of eluding touch as in terms of him vanishing from the sight of people. But at the same time, it is sufficient because after his resurrection, he is fulfilling what he had already said had happened, what they were to expect 
to happen. And so because of that, it is become sufficient enough in this circumstance. The other thing to note is he has his hands, his wounds in his hands and his feet and in his side. And so what has happened here, uh, Cornelius Lapide says that he bore them to, with him to heaven in order to show God the Father the price of our liberty. And he says to go on and says that the martyrs in heaven that they will not they will retain their scars in heaven as so many glorious tokens of their victory because it will not be a disfigurement but a dignity and in their bodies a certain beauty will shine forth a beauty not of the body but of merit for such marks as these must not be accounted as blemishes this is a beautiful thing to think about. So think about it today. Uh, leave you with that. Meditate on the idea of are we suffering enough for Christ? Are we suffering because those sufferings that we have now will be our reward in heaven? All right. Praise be to God. Time to go to break. And we come back. We're going to play our game show Fear and Trembling with prizes at stake. And here's the good news. You don't even need to know the answers to when, but you do have to make a phone call. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Uh, 877-757-9424. You can also find it on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, where you can also join our email list. So you can get access to our private Telegram group on our website. But 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Here and Tripling is coming up next. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio, learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10, do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. 
Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to uh, Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and uh, don't tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. All right, that's the deal. You, get, you, have to, you have to do this. You have to keep it just between us. And if you do, then I will share them with you. Number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. We like to have a laugh, and our callers truly are amazing. They laugh with us. They're great sports, and I enjoy that probably the most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But uh, the thing is here, I have three Catholic trivia questions. I do not ask the caller these questions, so technically they may not know a single correct answer but could still win the game. That's because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask Rudy and Adrian, one of which will be correct, the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian, and then... Every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to make uh, a winner for the week. Praise be to God. Yes. What could they win? And praise be to God. Our, our sponsor this week is Twelfth and Blossom. Now, I've already said this three times. This is now the fourth reminder for you. Wow. Husbands. Yikes. Are you listening? Love mm. your wives. I mean, that's in scripture. I'm writing this down. And understand that mm -hmm. because of that mm -hmm. scripture, mm -hmm. you have to know that Mother's Day is coming up soon. Right. Now, at 12th and Blossom, they sell some amazing original Catholic art, jewelry, and other gifts. And that's my wink-wink, nudge-nudge yeah. mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Check out our website at 12thandblossom.com. 1-2-T-H-and-blossom.com. Yeah. They're generously, mm -hmm. generously sponsoring our game show with a small... A set of portraits honoring the different titles of our Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much, Twelfth and Blossom. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing says uh, I love you on Happy Mother's Day more than the fly fishing bar and boutique at Outdoor Bass Pro Shops. I can't agree. I'm just more, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> it's I, I'm almost. I just well can't up. agree. I'm gonna well up. There's gonna be a tear. It's coming down the coming down the pipe. I mean, uh, me personally, it's so... I'm going to take Ashley Birding. <laughs> yeah. That's a, all right. Enough. Before we get really in trouble with that one. All right. Praise be to God. <laughs> Thank you, 12th and Blossom, for your generous gift this week that we can't wait to give away on Friday. All right. Let's go to the phone. Skyland, good morning to you. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Praise be to God. Skyland, where are you calling from? Um, I'm calling from my family's business in Midland, Texas. Your family? What is your family's business? Tony's Bakery. Tony's Bakery. I'm going to need samples, Scott. I was about to say that. Uh, we're going to have to have uh, samples here to really, truly judge the quality of Tony's Bakery. Well, like, what do you make there? We make sandwiches. Uh, we make Danish. We make cake. Okay. Oh, now you're speaking you my me language. Praise <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> be to God. Well, the next time I'm in Midland, Texas, I think we're going to have to stop by Tony's Bakery and uh, have a little uh, sample there, uh, Skyland. <laughs> Praise be to God. All right. Are you? Do you know how the game is played? Are you ready to go? Yes. Praise be to Jesus. Nice. All right. Well, Skyland, it's you and I on the same team. Uh, we are going to have to... Navigate the difficult waters of Rudy and Adrian. Let's start with Rudy, as is our custom, our tradition, our patrimony. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Are you ready? I am so ready. 
You're so ready. I'm so ready. That's confidence, man. Oh, are yeah. you sure? Because I'm confident, I'm mm -hmm. gonna say yes. You're not wearing the green tie, are you I'm sure? I'm not. I am wearing my floral blue tie. Floral blue tie. And when I wear this one, I am sure mm -hmm. that I'm ready. Okay, okay. Can you tell me, in what country did the Catholic emancipation take place? Emancipation, that sounds kind of like a British word. I think I'm gonna go with Alberto Scalzari? Scal our, our buddy Alberto, his country, England. Okay. England is your answer. England is my answer. Poor Alberto had to endure that. <laughs> I feel bad for our CDT insider, Alberto. Alberto. All right, England. You're saying England. England. Yes. Okay. Huh? okay. Ascari is his last name. Alberto. Good. Maybe let's see what Adrian says here. Adrian, can you tell me in what country did the Catholic emancipation take place? Yeah, the Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln. That was oh. in the these uh, United States yeah. of America. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So you're saying the United States. That's I'm your, saying your final United answer. States. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Skyland. Is it as Adrian thinks, the United States, these in particular United States, or is it as Brother Rudy seems to think, England, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Skyland, what say you? I'm going to have to go with Rudy. You have to go with Rudy. Really? <laughs> yeah. You have to. I mean, it is a it, proclamation. The True. moral obligation True. to have to go with Rudy. Praise be. You it was, in. in fact, Rudy. Skyline, did you know that one? Or, like, was that easy? Or were you just guessing? Um, I might have someone here with me, maybe. <laughs> I hear cheating. Um, <laughs> wow. We didn't even get cake out of the deal. But okay. Praise God. You're in the cup. You could win. It's possible. But let's see if we can't double your chances here with this next. And I'm going to say the easiest of all three questions. Today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Totally. Mm, okay. Absolutely the easiest. Speaking <laughs> of which, let's go to Adrian first. That's, a, that's an idea. Adrian, can you tell me, name for me the fifth joyful mystery of the Holy Rosary? The fifth joyful mystery of the Holy Rosary. Yes, that would be the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The presentation, you say. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, hey, Rudy, can you tell mm. me, or rather name for me, the fifth joyful mystery of the Holy Rosary? Okay, well, the temple is involved, but it was not the presentation. It was finding the child Jesus at the temple. What? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. hmm. Same right. temple, though. Whew. Maybe this is trickier than I thought. Mm. Is it, uh, Skyland, is it, as Rudy thinks, the... Uh, finding of the child Jesus in the temple, or is it as Adrian thinks, the presentation of the infant Jesus in the temple? Fifth joyful mystery, which is it? Skyland, Rudy, or Adrian, what say you? I think it's Rudy again. You think it's Rudy? Mm. Less confident this time, but still right. So wise. Praise be to God. She got it. <laughs> I like the Someone praise the rosary. The, the phone a friend thing is really working out for Scott. I know. I, we, I didn't know this was a rule. I didn't know this was allowed. <laughs> Somehow you you snuck this in, Scott. Now, well, can, you, can you give us a hint? Who, who's in the background there? We're talking uh, uh, like a church scholar. Like, I bet it's Dom Alkin like, Reed. Is it Dom Alkin Reed back there? It's my dad. Ah, ah go dad. What's dad's name? The baker. Gerardo. Gerardo. God bless you, Gerardo. A brilliant man, clearly. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, helping Skyland out today. Praise be to God. All right, we're going to go to question number three. And this uh, it could be tough. It's a good question. It's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question. Is it easy is the question. I don't know. Let's go with back to Rudy. 
Rudy, you no. should get this. Okay. You should totally. This one's yours, buddy. Oh, okay. I'll try. Uh, I'm, I'm confident in you. It's got the tie for it. You didn't, you're you not wearing a tie, tie though. This one. So. Yeah, I don't wear ties except oh. a mask. Hey, what feast is celebrated on January the 6th? Oh, it was a dark and stormy day. Was it? For some people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like It was the day that dum, we dum. commemorate the so-called insurrection. Oh, yeah. I see where you're going with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the feast? That's a feast? Yeah. That, mm. the, the insurrection is a feast? Mm. Yeah, just not, the people who, well, they're not feasting in jail because they're political prisoners. But. I see, I see. Okay, so your answer is the insurrection. Insurrection. Okay. Mm -hmm. So-called. Okay, uh, Adrian. Yes, that would be me. <laughs> I'm glad we worked that out. Yeah, Praise are God. you sure? Well, you never know. I am getting older. Hey, Adrian, can you tell me what feast is celebrated on January the 6th? Ah, uh, yes. The day that men from all over the world gathered mm -hmm. yes. and to this place to uh -huh. greet a newborn king who is being exiled oh, oh. from his kingdom. Okay. That would be the epiphany. The epiphany? Mm -hmm. The epiphany. Okay. Uh huh. Hmm. All right. That seems more reasonable. I think. Well, Skyland, you Maybe. got some choices here. Is it as Adrian seems to think, the epiphany, or is there something more secular going down here, as Rudy seems to think, in the insurrection on January sixth? Fifteen seconds so on the called. clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Skyler from Tony's Bakery in Midland, Texas. What say you? Um, I think. I'm gonna have to go with Adrian. Yeah, just have to, right? I mean, <laughs> like, what choice do you have here? Like, it's not your fault, Skyland. Do not feel guilty about admitting Adrian was a correct. wise woman indeed. Right. Don't a feel very guilty wise about woman it. Indeed. It wasn't your fault. I know it was actually Dad who said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for playing our game, Skyland. That was fun. Praise be to God. You're in Thank for three. You. Perfect score. And. uh so you can send those samples to Catholic Drive Time uh, at, uh, I don't even know, but uh, we'll send you an address. But in the meantime, we're going to put you in the coffee cup and you could win. God bless you. God love you, Skyland. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Bye. We're going to put you on hold. All right. That's going to do it for the Catholic Radio side of the show. We'll see you in the after show. We don't even know what's going on at the moment. We uh, something crashed, burned. So, or, or if, if please comment if you can hear my voice right now, we'd be grateful to you. I think we can be heard. Pretty sure we can be heard on the on the social stream. It's the radio side that seems to be uh, crashed and burned. Um. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Thursday in the octave of Easter. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Jesus Christ is risen today. 
Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty, Almighty God, God, and to, and to you, you, my brothers, brothers and sisters, that, that I have greatly, greatly sinned in my, my thoughts and in my, my words, in what, what I have done, and what, and what I have failed, failed to do. To do. Through, through my fault, through my fault, through my most, most grievous fault. fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you. We bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated, at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God, the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who have united the many nations in confessing your name, grant that those reborn in the font of baptism may be one in the faith of their hearts and in the homage of their deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. As the crippled man who had been cured clung to Peter and John, all the people hurried in amazement toward them in the portico called Solomon's portico. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, You children of Israel, why are you amazed at this, and why do you look so intently at us, as if we had made him walk by our own power or piety? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied in Pilate's presence, when you had decided to release him, when he had decided to release him. You denied the Holy and Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you, the author of life you put to death. But God raised him from the dead, of this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, this man, whom you see and know, his name has made strong. And the faith that comes through it has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Now I know, brothers and sisters, that you acted out of ignorance, just as your leaders did. But God has thus brought to fulfillment what he had announced beforehand through the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be wiped away, and that the Lord may grant you times of refreshment and send you the Christ already appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the times of universal restoration of which God spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. For Moses said, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen in all that he may say to you. Everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be cut off from the people. Moreover, all the prophets who spoke from Samuel and those afterwards also announced these days. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors when he said to Abraham, in your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. The word of the Lord. O Lord our God, how wonderful your name in all the earth. O Lord our God, how wonderful your name in all the earth. O Lord our God, how glorious is your name over all the earth. What is man that you should be mindful of him, or the son of man that you should care for him? O Lord our God, how wonderful your name in all the earth. You have made him little less than the angels, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him rule over the works of your hands, putting all things under his feet. O Lord our God, how wonderful your name in all the earth. All sheep and oxen, yes, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fishes of the sea, and whatever swims the path, whatever swims the paths of the seas. O Lord our God, how wonderful your name in all the earth. Alleluia, Alleluia, 
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. The disciples of Jesus recounted what had taken place along the way and how they had come to recognize him in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name. To all the nations beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Why are you troubled? Why do questions arise in your hearts? At first, coming from the God who raises from the dead, the God who will judge all things, who is, holds the universe in being by his word of power, this can seem like a rebuke like you're being chided for, for doubting. But that is not who God is. That is not the Jesus who suffered. We just watched him suffer. The whole church lived through Good Friday. That is not Jesus. Jesus instead, Jesus instead says, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? Why do these problems arise in your hearts? Do not keep them to yourself. Give them to me. Share them with me. Because as soon as you, you, you open up to Jesus, as soon as you give them over to Christ, they aren't troubles anymore. And he was trying to reassure them. Get, you know, take, give me a piece of baked fish. Give me anything to eat. I, whatever it is I need to do to prove to you that I am in your life. That you're not alone. That that I am going to take care of you, that my name is mercy. And then he even says, you are witnesses of these things and gave them his body and blood. And the other disciples in this very reading were saying, you know, we, we remembered him in the breaking of bread, the Eucharist. 
not only that, he's, he's promising to be with them for the rest of time. Do you have any other reason to keep your doubts to yourself? It is very, it grieves God when you keep your doubts to yourself, when you keep your, your troubles to yourself, when you hold on to them. I know it's, it's, it's very terrifying to surrender those things because you feel like you got control. You feel like you have some kind of semblance of, of, uh, of keeping your life the way that you have some measure of control over it. But when you, when you surrender your doubts and those troubles that arise in your hearts, you surrender to Jesus and you begin to live in the resurrection. Let us beg the Lord this morning for the grace to surrender our doubts, to sacrifice them to Jesus who just suffered for us and has open wounds shine forth his mercy upon our faces. Let us ask God for courage and for joy and rejoicing in the resurrection. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may truly shine forth as the Alleluia people rejoiced in the resurrection of Jesus. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may be true manifestations, true servants of the resurrection. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, for peace in the world. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all of our beloved dead, that they may be risen in Christ with God. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our intentions, giving them over to Jesus, the loving hands of Mother Mary's, we pray. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord, the Lord is, is with thee. thee. Blessed, Blessed art thou, thou women. women. And blessed, blessed is, is the, the fruit, fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Ye sons and daughters of the Lord, the King of glory, King adored, this day to from death restored. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. All in the early morning gray went holy women on their way to see the tomb where Jesus lay. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church. Graciously be pleased, O Lord, to accept the sacrificial gifts we offer joyfully, both for those who have been reborn and in hope of your increased help from heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation at all times, to acclaim you, O Lord, but on this day, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. For he is the true Lamb, who has taken away the sins of the world. By dying he has destroyed our death, and by rising restored our life. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exults in your praise, and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Roho him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, 
forever and ever. Proceptis salutaribus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audehimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicur et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos enducas in tentacionem, se libera nos Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tulis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tulis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Communion Antiphon. O chosen people, proclaim the mighty works of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Alleluia. Be thou my vision, O Lord. 
that to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word, I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, thine own may I be, thou in me dwelling, and I one with thee. High King of Heaven, when victory is won, may I reach Heaven's joys, bright Heaven's sun. Heart of my heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Let us pray. Hear, O Lord, our prayers that this most holy exchange, by which you have redeemed us, may bring your help in this present life and ensure us for eternal gladness through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the, Lord, the blessing. May God, who by the resurrection of his only begotten Son, was pleased to confer on you the gift of redemption and of adoption, give you gladness by his blessing. Amen. Amen. May he... By his redeeming work, you have received the gift of everlasting freedom. Make you heirs to an eternal inheritance. Amen. May you, who have already risen with Christ in baptism through faith, by living in a right manner on this earth, be united with him in the homeland of heaven. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in peace. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Alleluia. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, Et Spes Nostra Salve. A te clamamus, Exules Filii Have, A te suspiramus, Gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Eha ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos, 
Misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Jesum, benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis post hoc exilium ostende. O clemens, O pia, O dulcis, Virgo Maria. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every 